while Mike's pulling that up, I'll go ahead and get started and maybe be at the time when we get there. Uh, so in South Central Utah, anybody, raise your hand, have you ever been to Utah? It's incredibly beautiful. Um, in South Central Utah, there's an aspen tree that is considered the largest single living organism in the world. Um, okay. Um, when I say this, you might visualize one tree shooting up into the sky with a strong base and a root system. But you'd be wrong if you know anything about aspens. Uh, this aspen is so remarkable, it's actually given a name. It's called Pando, which is Latin for ice bread. Um, it's named this because even though it is one aspen, it is interconnected cluster of what appears to the eye as an entire forest. Um, so you see uh, Pando spans about 106 acres and is both the largest tree by weight and the largest tree by land mass and is also the largest known aspen clone. Pando was identified as a single living organism because each of its stems possess identical genetic markers and each of its estimated 47,000 stems are generally connected by a massive interconnected root system that coordinates energy production, defense, and regeneration across its expanse. That's gorgeous, right? Yeah, that's really cool. Here's another visualization of what, you know, like aspens kind of look like, right? You can see the, the root system's just, just one whole thing, and so yeah. This is a really beautiful image as well. This is an image of cross-referencing or self-referencing within the Bible. Okay, with on, on the far left, um, the bottom line represents from far left to right the verses of the Bible with Genesis on the far left and Revelation on the far right. As you see, there's a lot of self-referencing, right? It's very interconnected. Um, it's fascinating too, right? And that's a beautiful image as well. Imagine how you could easily take one verse or one chapter or even one book of the Bible and assume that it's a standalone tree, right? Um, maybe it isn't a standalone tree. Maybe our scripture is more like an aspen grove, living and breathing together, sharing the same life, right? There is a buzzkill, though. Uh, so more research has come out that maybe they're actually uh, the largest living single organism may actually be a 2,400-year-old parasitic and highly destructive honey fungus in a national forest in Oregon, um, spanning 2,200 acres. Uh, but for the purpose of the sermon, I like comparing the word of God to an aspen grove rather than fungus, right? <laughs> so just uh, bear with me there. Um, if we imagine the Bible as an aspen grove with each bit of scripture perhaps appearing as a standalone story to the eye, right? But when you read deeper, they all have their stories, story roots interconnected, sharing the same life, then let's give it a go with a non-traditional Advent scripture today, right? Psalm 29. Let's do that. Um, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in, his ho in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Oh, 
it's not going there. Okay, there we go. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf or leap, and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. So if I'm assuming that the Bible is like an aspen grove, then I should see self-referencing in Psalm 29, right? Maybe. Uh, maybe I should be able to see what David's talking about in the psalm, right? Um, so what is it that I see? I see David reflecting on Genesis 1. Do you all, maybe, when you read through that? Um, like a little commentary, an ancient commentary on Genesis 1, right? Um, he talks about the spirit hovering above the waters, speaking things into existence, like in Genesis 1. And he refers to that voice as powerful as thunder, right? That creation is leaping into action. It's, it's vibrant and it's bursting forth, resulting in a storm-like creation, right? That's really cool. I'll go back to this here. Lastly, God is enthroned over the chaotic waters in Psalm 29 of the flood from Genesis 1, and, the, and is the king forever, right? In this, we see David's imagination with his reflections on Genesis 1. It's like he's giving us his commentary on the beginning of Genesis. But if the Bible is interconnected and shares a root system, could we also find David perhaps speaking to something into the Bible's future from Psalms, right? Maybe we could. Um... If I use the life and the ministry of Jesus as a cornerstone for understanding it all, or maybe as like Jesus classes, right? Um, can I read Psalm 29 uniquely? Um, so let's put our Jesus-tinted glasses on and try and understand Psalm 29 in that way as well. So let's read it again. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. So what about some of those things in there? Um, so I've, I was curious when I was reading through this, thinking about what's with the cedars of Lebanon, right? Um, so a couple things about that. Uh, cedar trees are known for their strength, 
Um, they have withstood and thrived throughout many tumultuous periods in history, the, the cedars of Lebanon. They were just like a, like a big national forest there, right? Um, the forest of Lebanon and its cedars were seen as not only strong, but super abundant as well. Um, the 8th century historian and British monk, Bede, believed that the cross was likely made of cedar wood. Um, so, what an image to then reread the verses knowing that, right? Let's read it again. <laughs> the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. This is the second part of it. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, all say glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. I can't help but to think of what Jesus will ultimately do on the cross. I can't help but to think of the role of the cedars played in that. And when Jesus gives his last breath on the cross, the shaking that occurred with the new creation that God was doing in the new covenant. On Good Friday, after Jesus took his last breath, the earth shook and the temple's curtain ripped. And as Psalm 29 says, the voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all say what? Glory, right? And in the end of Psalm 29, it's King Jesus who will be enthroned. And this is referenced in the last chapter of Revelation, another interconnectedness, right? Where we get an image of King Jesus surrounded by trees and a river. So if we see in the last chapter of Revelation, this is an aspen grove, right? <laughs> uh, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations." Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They need no light or lamp of sun or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So you might be sitting here and say, hey, it's Advent, not Lent, right? Uh, <laughs> um, so you might wonder why uh, it sounds more like maybe a Lenten sermon than an Advent sermon. But let me tell you how I think they're both. And I think they're interconnected as well. Uh, the reason why I think they're both is we're looking for Jesus in this scripture reading, right? And we're doing that in Advent. We wait and we anticipate and look for Jesus. So could we do the practice of looking for Jesus in all of the scriptures as well? Not just the stereotypical Advent scriptures, right? Um, I think we can, and I encourage you all to give it a try during the rest of your life, if not only Advent here. Um, so Sally Lloyd-Jones says in her Jesus Storybook Bible, uh, during the introduction of it, something I find to be really beautiful. 
She says, there are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story, and at the center of the story, there is a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He is like the missing piece in a puzzle, the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together. And suddenly, you can see a beautiful aspen grove. That's my interpretation. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this time of waiting, for this season of anticipation and looking out for you and what you're doing in all of life and all of scriptures and in everything around us. We pray that we have the eyes to see you and the desire to look. In your name, amen.